good afternoon and welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Do you want to help make the world a better place but don't know where to start? Join us as we explore the possibilities on today's show with inspiring guests, uplifting music, and new ideas. So let's get started. Here are your hosts, Lori Ann Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead. Welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. I'm your host, Lorianne Rising. And I'm your other host, Mark Olmstead. 2,977. That's how many died in the 9-11 attacks in 2001. 58,000. That's how many U.S. soldiers died in the Vietnam War. 116,516 is how many soldiers died in World War I. In the U.S., we're currently experiencing 100,000 new cases per day and about four to 5,000 deaths per day due to COVID. That's over 450,000 deaths so far in the last, well, less than a year. Today, we're talking with a woman who's finding a beautiful, heart-centered way to honor, humanize, and personalize this pandemic for the families who are grieving as well as for her community. Jan Trullinger Dwyer is an artist and teacher turned advocate. She's been painting for 48 years and plein air painting for 10 years. Through her paint club, she teaches drawing and painting classes and especially enjoys teaching those who believe they're not artistic, wouldn't know any of those. <laughs> her background also includes psychology and political science and working in a secured treatment program for the most violent adolescents in Oregon. There, she learned that these kids want just what every other teenager wants, love, acceptance, and friends. As a caregiver for others inside and outside her family, she's witnessed how often we turn away from those who are sick or old. She believes that if we can stay engaged with each other in these difficult times, there is beauty and tenderness. Today, her art brings people back to this beauty while raising awareness around the human impact of COVID in our community. Welcome, Jan. Thank you so much for thank, being here. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Oh, my goodness. And such amazing stuff that we're just, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your art project. So, uh, so, um, and we'll just jump right into it. So, you, you, uh, you've been becoming uh, a little bit known in the neighborhood, it sounds like, and, uh, and getting quite a bit of attention. Could you describe for our listeners what it is you've been doing and, uh, and why? Sure. Uh, so I live in Portland, Oregon. That's where I was born and raised. And last March, about the same time we started the big shutdown, I had read an article about the exponential growth that often happens in a pandemic. And I was noodling around in my studio, just really needing to try and think about how fast things were bound to be growing. And I found it so painful and disheartening that I knew that the numbers couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around them. And so I fell back, like I always do, on what is the most simple way to try and understand this craziness that I felt us entering. When I started, I think we'd had maybe nine deaths. Mm. But each of those people are love at least in, in the way I see the world. Human beings all come into the world needing and wanting love and expressing love. So each of those people that we had lost represents a family who has lost somebody. Each person radiates out in some way. And so yeah. that is when I started painting hearts. I decided just at least to to start, I was just going to paint a heart for every Oregonian that passed from COVID. And I remember thinking at the time, thank God I don't live in Seattle or New York because there's no way I could keep up. Mm. And then I just started hanging them on the house because I didn't know what else to do with them. Mm. Oregon has been able to keep the numbers relatively in check here. And yet, I know it has been picking up as well. How many hearts would you say you actually have around the house now? I have about 500 hung on my front porch, like from the ceiling down. It's a big front porch. And some on my fence, most of them now are inside, wait, 
waiting for a foster heart program that we're starting so that neighbors and local businesses could put some hearts up in their windows and people walk by and see them. We're probably going to pass 2,000 today. Mm. Uh, This Mm. morning's paper said we were at 1,998, something like that. We're getting very close to 2,000. And I have not painted all 2,000 yet, but I'm coming close. The first many months I painted one heart per canvas, I was getting so far behind. There's no way I can paint 54 separate canvases in one day, Uh, which, you know, we've had a couple of days where there's been that many deaths. So in December, I started catching up by painting one canvas per day. And I've been able to stay caught up through December, January, and now into February. And I'm going back to painting uh, hearts from September, October, November. Wow. My goodness. This must be, it's becoming quite an investment in canvas. Is this, uh, <laughs> are you, uh, do you, do you have a, an art store yourself that you get discounts and <laughs> uh, you accepting know, donations? <laughs> I, I actually, on occasion, I've had some people ask for a memorial heart for a specific person. I do charge for that. And then I turn all the money back into more canvases and paint. Early on, I used up all the canvases that I had painted that I didn't like and painted over and so forth. You know, I've tried painting on boards. I've tried painting on tiles. I've tried painting on a different strata just to see if I can keep costs down. But mm-hmm. canvas is the most easily accessible. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm. So what are you really using for painting? Is it acrylics? Is it oils? Is there a particular process? What? How are you making the hearts? I am using all acrylics because they just dry so much quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, when I do landscapes or so, I really enjoy oil painting. And that's what I've done the longest. But I started doing acrylic pours, which is kind of popular, fun thing to do that a lot of artists are doing right now. And I I started doing acrylic pouring about five years ago when uh, within a two-month time frame, I lost both of my parents. It was just something that I could, you know, go up at 10 o'clock at night when I wasn't able to sleep and I could just make these crazy abstract designs. And I just kept those. And I started with painting hearts using those pours. And what I like about it is, you can direct some parts of each pour with the colors and the medium and so forth that you use, but there's going to be a certain amount of serendipity. And I feel like that's very much like people mm-hmm. that you can, you know, influence and hope and so forth, but there's always going to be a certain amount of serendipity. There's just Unique. so many interesting variables in everybody yeah. and everything. Right. And, and that's so, coming through the uniqueness and your, your opportunities. And, and you just, you just start the, the process. Now, is this part of the plein air painting? No. That's what, what is, what does plein air meaning? So that, that is something I do when I'm doing landscapes or cityscapes. I've been working at painting from reality instead of photographs. So okay. if I'm out someplace, pretty a lot of times it'll be near the columbia river here or where there's mountains then i'll set up a easel and paint something right then and there you have to work quick because the light's changing and and then i'll bring it back to the studio and do a bigger version of that so the the Um, outdoor work is called plein air plein air means in the open air uh okay thank you that's the uh, you bet a, a new term for me. So this is good. I appreciate it. So these are all unique creations. How long does one typically take you to do? Well, it's actually quite hard for me to be sure because each heart has several steps to it. So there's the the mixing and the pouring, and that will be one step. And it usually takes two or three days to really dry. So I do the pours ahead of time. I will not paint a heart ahead of time. I'm not really a superstitious person, but it just seems wrong to pre-paint the hearts since they do symbolize a life loss. 
So then when it's time, I'll choose a canvas and whether it's for one heart or multiples, I will look at the pore and decide, is this going to look better if I use the pore as the hearts and paint the negative space around it or, you know, paint the heart and use the pore as a background. So there's the heart pouring, the part painting itself. And then after that's all dry, I need to go back and do the edges because they're pretty goopy. And so then I paint all the edges in a little black and white so it looks like they all belong together. And then finally, after that's dry, I will shellac or varnish them and then they're ready. So each heart might take an hour, but that's going to be over several days. Mm-hmm. So they're in phase, in steps that you have to like do there one step and then that, steps, yeah. that has to dry and then the next one. Oh my goodness. Exactly. What, a, what a dedication. So this is so, so all this, this concentration of energy that the question just came to mind. Are you experiencing a difference in the energy in your house, having 500 of these, these hearts and reminders of all this love in your, in your presence there? I'm just, I'm kind of, <laughs> that's just such a Actually, unique. That's a really lovely question that I have not been asked yet, but I do experience. I think some of it is because before I'm painting, I'm usually, I do some meditation. I don't really enjoy painting if I'm frustrated with something politically or sort of like the movie, like Water for Chocolate. You know, mm. my feelings come out in what I'm making. Mm-hmm. So I'll I try to be thinking about love as opposed to loss, and uh, I I feel like I want to emulate the best characteristics of each person, even though I don't know I don't know anything about them. But that regular practice has really impacted how I feel about in my own home. And the really big interesting change is the outside of my house and how many people are walking by and want to engage. Mm. I I don't know why I didn't expect that, but I did not. When we were sort of chatting before, I think you had mentioned that you weren't, I mean, yes, you did some research in terms of what might happen, but there really still wasn't the expectation that you'd be doing it as long as you have been or you know it as the, the volume and and things have shifted and changed from those original expectations i'm curious what what has your own you know personal journey been through some of this you know how are you keeping up and sustaining it and and all of that personally it's been a very interesting journey i'm glad i didn't know everything as I was starting to walk down this path, because mm-hmm. I think I would have edited myself out, just saying, you know, this is going to be too much, it's going to be too hard. There was a part of me, just because I love reading history, and I had read about the pandemic in 1918. My own great-grandfather died in that pandemic, and although Clearly, I never knew him. When my own grandmother was dying, you know, she was nine when he died. And when she was dying, I would hear her calling out for her dad. And this was in 1990. And I think of what, you know, she never talked about him, but I realized what a hole had been in her life. It reminds me of the ripples that each person causes. Well, and and those losses. I mean, what you're you're embodying and remembering and putting into each heart sounds to me like you know it it really is a humanizing process. We're taking a statistical number and putting humanity back in it. It, it seems like to me because each of those people is a hole in someone else's life now. Exactly. And that grief and that process of remembrance is so, to me, it seems sacred in many ways. And I really wish our culture in general had more of that sacredness around these things built in, honestly. 
Well, I believe that that is our job, Mm -hmm. that we get to decide how we're going to honor each other and honor our love for each other and honor those that have passed. In some ways, numbers are the only way you can describe something this big. I don't want to diminish the idea of the math because that can also be a universal language of love. Uh, It's just one that I also know that it can become so overwhelming for people. They they just don't want to think about it anymore. And that's where the art for me comes in. And and so I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So it feels to me like, isn't this just a screaming opportunity and and demonstration of how important art is actually in our life to help us translate and process and deal with the the challenges of life i mean it, it, it seems like it's such a beautiful example of what you're accomplishing or and what you're trans- demonstrating transform exactly what both of you are saying it, it it is a wonderful way to process certainly it is for me and to transform pain into beauty mm. that is a privilege a lot of us don't get to sit with something that can be considered a negative and and it is i mean it's very painful and and i can go on and on about what should have happened and how we could have done things different but the fact is this is how it's playing out well i'm very uh i'm i'm very impressed with your uh, obvious commitment to children and uh with your your work uh it sounds like that you've you've been dealing with uh, and working with some difficult adolescents for for a number of years is is the art something that you brought into that relationship and that teaching at all actually no i haven't worked with children for a long time. It that's how I got my career started year, years and years ago. But once I had kids, I really spent more of my time doing home health care with mm-hmm. elderly folks because mm-hmm. that was something that was very easy for me to uh, figure. Like I could work overnight, and Jim would watch the kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. So although that was you know, working with kids was really a formative experience professionally. In the last 20 years, it's really been more with elders. And then finally, you know, with particularly with my own mom, who had had Parkinson's disease for 30 years before she finally transitioned, I was burnt out. And by then it was like, I'm just doing art now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and you you teach as well. Uh, is that is it mainly adults that you teach, or is it all well, ages? Well, I will teach. Yeah. It's mostly been adults. I, I I really want people to have fun, so it's like the paint and sip kind of. You know, I've done a couple at vineyards, mm. um, wineries before COVID. I was about to be starting an, uh, another season last year of just having folks over to my own home and mm-hmm. painting there. You know, it is a blast. And one of my very favorite things is I've done this with drawing, too. You know, uh, art is a skill. There are people that are more talented at it than others that it comes more naturally to. Not everybody's going to be a Rembrandt, but everybody has the capability of making something that Mm -hmm. they're going to feel happy about hanging up in their own home. And the fact that somebody is will say that they're just not artistic, they, my, everybody says, uh, you know, I can only draw stick people and I can't even do that very well. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You've just never mm-hmm. been taught. Nobody expects to go out and swing a golf club and make a hole in one. Mm-hmm. It takes right. a long time and being, and you have to be willing to be really atrocious. Mm-hmm. That's a, a big while. part of it. You know, absolutely. You know, it's it's funny to me how we give permission to kids when they're learning to fall down a lot and be messy. But as adults, for some reason, we don't give ourselves that same permission to go through the learning curve. It's like, well, I tried it once or twice. It's supposed to be good now. It's like, well, not necessarily. (laughs) Yes, I agree. And I I think there's a developmental component, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. just about the time kids are 
getting to a stage where they want to make something look real in their drawing or painting, mm-hmm. you know, right. which is a real stage we all go through, is the time when there's not much time left for art in school. We tend to stick with the little symbols of drawing instead of what to make things real. And that's where people get frustrated and say, forget it. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to getting into to, to some more about the, with the race, relationship with art and kids. Uh, but for now, we need to take a short break. Uh, but actually, given that we're focused on, on remembering love here, uh, before we go, please take a moment to think of just one person that you haven't talked to in a while and schedule a time in your calendar to give them a call. Say hello and make that connection. You just never know what a difference it can make. As part of our heart-centered theme today, after the break, you're going to hear one of Mark's originals called What If. It invites us to consider the possibilities of opening up to love even more. Stay tuned for What If right after this. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Laurieann Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life, Live Your Purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit laurieannrising.com. In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's best indie book award-winning kids book, his music, and resources to support families, visit truesunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at truesunbeam.com. I have to be to see the next turn I was meant to make. What if all the world was lining up in just this moment to reveal how where I am is no mistake? What if my love won't What if every time I've tried to tell myself I'm satisfied I start to feel that hunger once again What if all I hear and see and smell and touch and taste Might be to give a sense of where to now begin To find peace on this earth here within
shadow of a doubt Stand for love together and act now What if what we're doing now is seeing in a mirror By looking into one another's eyes Remembering we're helping our reflection become clearer Seeing through a Lathia's disguise Waking up to real eyes What if where we are now is a place we have to be See the next turn we were born to make What if all this world was lining up in just this moment To reveal how where we are is no mistake What if our time won't wait What if our hearts won't wait Welcome back. You're listening to Rise and Shine, and that was an original from my co-host, Mark Olmsted, called What If. You can find it on his One Piece at a Time album, available for download on his website at truesunbeam.com. We're back with Jan Trellinger-Dwyer, artist and teacher who's reminding us all to bring our whole hearts into every aspect of our lives. And we were just talking about the the, the importance, I, I feel, of of reminding and, and utilizing and connecting art uh, into our ch- children's lives. And I'm, I'm really excited. I think you probably heard in the, uh, in the uh, ads there that there's uh, that I've, I have this children's book and I don't know, if, Jan, if you're uh, familiar with it, but uh, it, there's uh, an aspect of, it, there's a coloring book aspect of the, that we're putting out and a couple of other projects but it's it's something I'm really excited about to connect families with artwork and and really use that as a keepsake for for a child growing up and and connecting to their shining moments and and just really starting the and deepening their their own process of finding the brightest moment of their day. Um, I'm I'm curious to know how your what's your vision of how you'd like to see your art inspire. The next generations and, and maybe what the next projects are for you. Clearly, I believe that creativity is every human being's birthright and that we can't be completely healthy if we are only consumers of creativity, whether it is art or music or cooking or just about anything. Creativity is well, it's, it's another side of love. I believe that we need to make things as human beings. We need mm. to make things. And it can be soup or a symphony. <laughs> but that. when we become passive consumers in our own life, it reminds me of, what's that old song? Walking like Dead? No, no. I am here. No, I'm, I'm here now. Entertain me. You know, I, I think that's right. a recipe for depression and uh. disconnection from one's own life. Mm-hmm. And so if these hearts or any of my work can inspire anything, my hope and wish is that people would understand that they're going to be ha- happier and healthier if they make something. It can be simple. It can be ugly it can be beautiful but we are meant 
to create and we are meant to exercise that that part of our brain. I so feel what you're saying. For me, it's writing quite often. There are other things that I dabble in from time to time. I've got a paint set and stuff that I just completely make a mess with occasionally, and that's pretty fun. But for me, my core is is writing. And I went through a period a number of years ago where I stopped writing completely. I wasn't writing in a journal. I wasn't doing any kind of writing at all for about a year and realized I sort of had this dried up old sponge feeling and it wasn't until I allowed myself to start writing again that just life started flowing again for me and there was just it was a huge life lesson for me to recognize how interconnected that sense of creativity and the ability to allow that energy flow was so related to everything in my life and how good I felt so I appreciate you bringing that up it was it was astounding and i i wanted to hear more too you mentioned your your heart would you call it your your foster program uh or no, tell us more about I'm, that well <laughs> this is so this is something it's in its infancy but art clearly is meant to be seen right now two thirds or more of the maybe three quarters of the hearts that i have painted are in stacks in my studio, going up the stairs to my studio, and in my dining room. And, uh, you know, I live in a big old house, and they'll, they'll take over the world in here if I allow it. Uh, I have some neighbors that have agreed to hang hearts on their fences, uh, and so I'm, I'm actually getting some weatherproofed enough that that can happen. Uh, I live in a pretty urban area. And so my hope is to get businesses to stick them in the windows. Or uh, if somebody has a waiting room for their business, maybe hang one in there. I would like to, I would like to share these hearts. I want to keep track of them because I have this feeling when this epidemic is finally over, these hearts are a bit of Oregon history. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I would love to have a show where they're all hung up in one place. I don't know where that would be. I don't know if there's any place that's going to be interested or big enough. I don't yeah. know what it's going to look like, but that's okay. That's part of the creative process. I don't have to know yet. Right. right. Hey, I'm, I'm getting this, this image of a drone shot taken over the like a huge yard and they're all just laid out in the shape of a heart mm. oh that would be beautiful that reminds me of some of the images of the aids the, the uh-huh. okay right uh, that's where i'm getting that uh, probably yeah yeah yep, yep. oh man there's idea. there's th- th- there's some setup involved in that though <laughs> Oh yeah. Yes. yeah I, I'm not going to cross that bridge point yet. <laughs> oh, man. Might take a football field oh, by the time you're goodness. done. No kidding. That would be beautiful. Oh. It, it really would. And what a, literally a monument mm-hmm. to not just Oregonians, but to all who are, are lost and grieving and being affected mm-hmm. by this pandemic. I mean, I just, it is difficult to wrap my head around the numbers and then to allow myself to step into that place of knowing each one of those numbers is a human being that had a family, children, parents, cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, communities, you know, it, it's, I, I get chills thinking about it and, and that level of impact. And I know you mentioned, too, you've had a few people who've requested specific memorial um, hearts from you. Is that something you're doing more of, or was those, you know, sort of the exceptions? Or I actually welcome doing more. It's always going to be a matter of how much time I have to do them. Right now, it would be about a two to three week turnaround time 
and it also depends on how specific people want it to be, you know. I mean, if it's a heart like what I would paint for somebody I don't know, that's one thing. If it's a heart, I did one for uh, someone whose father had passed and he was from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was a, a little Hawaiian, you know, palm trees and sand thing around the edges. And so that, you know, that kind of thing takes a little longer to do. Sure. But welcome doing it as mm -hmm. long as people don't mind having to mm -hmm. wait a minute <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for me to sure. get them back out in the mail. <laughs> you're, you're becoming in demand. That seems like something worth waiting for. I mean, mm. knowing each one is done with with fully calling in the intention of love. It's fully handmade. It's completely unique. And... What a beautiful, wonderful are, memorial! Are there today. words or anything as well that come with the the image, other than just the, uh, there's the colors involved? You know, I'm just I'm being the uh, the, the the poet here. I'm I'm trying to, uh, you know, thinking that there's some words that I, I was thinking in terms of the show this morning that was coming through here in in a in kind of a poetic form, and I'm not sure if it's something that's that shows up but i was to finish my question though i was wondering do you incorporate words in your paintings at all or is that something that's i have not but only because of very uh mundane reasons i would have to triple check my spelling because i <laughs> i do have some dyslexia <laughs> and although i read ferociously things can look perfectly spelled to me and they're not uh, so i would have to have some good editing proofreading before i <laughs> made the final and then um I'm, I'm not over happy with how i paint letters i like my handwriting but i mean that's sort of silly but that's the only reason i haven't done words in my mm -hmm. heart mm -hmm. so far mm -hmm. and i'm not you know I, actually i have done some under layers mm. so you can't really see them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know or scratch in a little that mm -hmm. kind of thing i i love that you're i want to say willing to admit that you're the kind of artist who's like oh well that, you know that's not really my thing it doesn't really work it's not you know because I, I i admit i have this idea that for some reason if you're calling yourself an artist then you're doing it all beautifully and perfectly every time right and maybe that's where some of the hesitation comes in where we, well, I can't call myself an artist because it's not like it's that not perfect, perfect all the time. Oh. And that permission to like, you know, that's okay. This is, it's still art. It's still beautiful. Absolutely. And you're making such a difference in many, many people's lives by doing this. And you don't have to be good at every aspect of it. How beautiful is that? Well, it, it's true. I mean, we don't have to be good at every aspect. And, and actually, I think there's, I like to call some art capital A art and mm -hmm. some art mm -hmm. small A mm -hmm. art. And uh, we might see capital A art in a museum and we might see small A art hanging on my fence. But they're both important. Only time, only history will decide what becomes capital A art someday. Mm. I, I think about how popular that Edvard Munch image of the screen, you see it on phone emojis even yeah. now. Mm -hmm. And when he painted that, people, uh, they detested his work. He was such an outsider. It, it would have been so nice for him if he had ever known that he, he's become an icon, or at least his painting, the screen has become an icon literally. But he never knew that. I don't think that my hearts are Edvard Munch-ish, but you never know. You just don't know what is going to pop out. You know, I mean, I studied landscape and, and cityscapes and art. I've been doing it for 50 years, just about, but I'm actually known as the heart lady. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, you know, there was a part of me that was like, really? Really? <laughs> and then, yeah, really. Okay, let's go for it. You, you know? know, that's but whatever how? it takes. You know, how? like yeah, Van Gogh, like, at, least, at least there's something showing up. I mean, Van Gogh, you know. He never got any kind of acknowledgement while he was still around. And look at look at how well known he is now. Well, and exactly. so, so many artists are so ahead of their time and are so challenging for the people in their current space to acknowledge because they're testing all the boundaries with the artwork and it's only later. I mean you know, of course, being an author and a writer, Moby Dick comes to mind. That book got the author not just blacklisted, but literally run out of town. And he was never able to go home. He was about 100 years ahead of his time. Yeah. So it's uh, it's common. So, so Jan, how, how important would you say it is to develop a, I, I, I don't, I dislike the word discipline, but you know, a, a, a structure of keeping yourself or a, yeah, some kind of habit around doing artwork on a regular basis. If it's something that you feel is, is a part of you or to make it more of a part of you. So I understand your hesitancy to use the word discipline, but I do think it has its uses. Um, for, for me, anything that I want to have more of in my life, uh, whether it's beauty or fitness or whatever, I need to find a time. It doesn't have to be a ton of time. I believe I could probably conquer the world 15 minutes at a bite, but mm-hmm. it's the, it's the repetition. It's okay. I only did 15 minutes today, but tomorrow I'll be doing another 15 minutes. And, and so part of me, I've had to let go of the idea of discipline because that for me, it's seemed like onerous, but that doesn't mean that I don't crave structure. So I, I do find myself scheduling time. Um, I used to schedule everything ahead of my art and the, the result was I didn't do art. Now I schedule my art ahead of everything else. Uh, so, you know, I'll get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee or two, read the paper, mostly find out how many hearts there are to do that day, do some meditation, and then I go paint. And, you know, anything else that I get done happens after that. Mm. Yeah, Very that, cool. That which that's, we do first is what gets done during the day. It is for me. <laughs> that's <laughs> impressive. That's that's admirable. <laughs> I'll you know. work on that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no comment there. <laughs> so, right. You know, oh, we, I love we it. We best ask what we most need to learn now. I I love it, and thank you so mm. much. You are doing such amazing and wonderful work, and bringing. Mm literally bringing hearts to the world and your heart to the world. And I just, we are getting close to the end of our time. And so I want to make sure that listeners have the chance to connect with you and maybe even see some of it. And I know you have a Facebook page. So how, how can they best connect with you? So my Facebook page is Stump Town Studio Arts. There's an S at the end of arts just because somebody already had Stumptown Studio. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that at this, you know, that's a placeholder for an eventual website. But sure. uh, as mm-hmm. I have demonstrated earlier, technology is not my thing. <laughs> and you so did that really will, well. you know, uh, uh, at some point, I guess I'll have people for that. <laughs> but right now, it's a Facebook page. And so that would be the, the easiest. Uh, way for people to get a hold of me. Very Perfect. Good. And I've noticed you you share pictures of the hearts as well as I think you've even shared a couple little videos of your process and stuff there too. So it's, yes, you're doing well with the technology and the sharing. Yes, you are. So I really oh, encourage thank you. people. We'll make sure the links are available um, 
for people to click on and find you and connect with you and stuff too. So absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank thank you. Thank you on behalf of the kids for uh, inspiring artwork in the community and, and finding the beauty in such a difficult time and difficult circumstances. And it's just a, a wonderful example for all of us, Jan. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a real joy. So well, thanks. Very much appreciated. Now it's time for our wow moment with Laurieanne when she offers words of wisdom, sharing her intuitive and spiritual mentorship with us by responding to listener comments and questions. Thank you. You know, one of the things that I so appreciate that Jan mentioned during this episode is how she was really glad she didn't know what she was getting into before she started, or at least how long it would last. You know, I am absolutely and completely convinced that if we really knew what it would take to finish the goals or ideas or or things that we are so inspired by in the moment, if we really knew what it would take to get those things done and how much they would change us, we would probably never even get started. But what kind of world would that be? How incredible and amazing is it that people like Jan and so many of our guests are doing amazing and incredible things, even when it's challenging and difficult and changes who they are and who they're choosing to be in the world. Now, I know from experience that so much of that comes from a day-to-day choice. In other words, you know, sometimes it comes down to choosing between how we're feeling and what we value. Now, I remember years ago when I was a single mother working full time, 40, 50 hours a week and going to school at the same time. I was earning a master's degree and it was tough. I was getting up at 2 a.m and studying for several hours before getting the kids up. They were in elementary school at the time. So getting them off to school and going during the mornings. And then of course, a full day of work. And quite often there would be family activities, you know, the kids activities, their sports and after school stuff or something going on at the school itself for families. And we always tried to participate as much as we could. But I can tell you, Oh man, I was exhausted, especially by the end of the week. And more times than not, that alarm would go off at 2 a.m. and I would just feel tired. I just did not want to get up. I wanted to hit the snooze button and just roll over for several hours, not just 10 minutes, and just forget about it. And I would lay there and think about doing exactly that and realize, you know, yeah, I feel tired. But the thing is, I really value my education. I value the life that I am creating by doing this. And so I would choose my actions based on what I valued rather than how I felt in the morning. Seems to me that Jan could say she's doing the same thing. There are days where I'm sure it's overwhelming. She talked a little bit about that. But she chooses to act on what she values rather than how she feels. And it's so perfect that she talked about how meditating will help her bring how she feels into alignment with what she values so that that expression is fully in alignment and growing and expressing itself in beautiful and amazing ways. And I know that's something that we can all do a little bit more of. So I invite you the next time you're feeling like you don't want to do something that you committed to doing and know would be really good to really think about, well, is this something about how I feel or what would it mean to act on what I value instead? Now, I know for me that 2 a.m. alarm clock, there were days that I hit the snooze button total honesty, there were. I really only followed through on getting up about 80 to 90% of the time. But you know what? I graduated and it did change our lives for the better. I showed my kids what it meant to achieve a huge goal and work for it. 
And that is absolutely invaluable, isn't it? So it doesn't have to be 100% of the time. We can be fully human and still have it work. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. So when you're in a mood or something's going on for you, give yourself a moment to consider how you're feeling. Honor it, explore it, and then decide, is this a moment where it's worth acting on how I feel? Or is this a moment where it's really worth acting on what I value despite how I feel? And if you can, take a few minutes to find a way to bring it all into alignment. For Jan, that's meditation. For me, often it's journaling or like I said, just laying there and thinking it through and making that decision and acting anyway, regardless. Sometimes it's going for a walk. Sometimes it's talking it out with a friend. Whatever is true for you, do that. But I always, always, always encourage you to act on what you value and bring your feelings into alignment. So until next time, my friends, keep rising. Thank you, Lorianne, for sharing your wow with us. If you have a question, comment, or concern you'd like to hear addressed on a future WOW moment, or you'd like to learn more about Lorianne's mentorship program, visit her website at lorianerising.com. That's L-O-R-I-A-N-N-E-R-I-S-I-N-G.com. Thank you. And to our listeners, remember that Mark and I are on a mission to help make the world a better place and to uplift voices that are not typically heard. So if you or someone you know is an author, a musician, innovator, or even a comedian whose perspective and message challenges old paradigms to open hearts and minds, please reach out. We want to support you by helping you be seen and heard by a worldwide audience. Just visit us at riseandshineasone.com to apply to be a guest. And before you go, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your favorite platform. And remember, until next time, wherever you are, there's always time for remembering to rise and shine. Take care. Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining. Sound of the joy, sound of the love, sound of the light. Sound of the joy, sound of the love.